right, all right. Easter's coming up. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to Easter Sunday at Elevate Ministries. I want to show you this really quickly. This is a yard sign. It's got a stake on the back of it. We printed a bunch of these so that if, if people wanted these for their homes, uh, you could get them. They're 10 bucks, okay? Really, that's, that's, that's less than we paid for them. We're just trying to kind of cover our costs. But, but I've already got one in my front yard. Pastor Carl, my next door neighbor, has one in his front yard. We're taking over. Uh, I, I know a bunch, of, a bunch of people picked these up on Wednesday. We only have a limited supply, but look, if you if you want one and we run out, we will today. If you want one, put your name down. We'll order a bunch more. We'll have them for you next Sunday. And uh, what's great about this is that you can you can keep these up year round. It's not just for Easter, although we'd love for everyone to be looking for a church this Easter, walking through your neighborhood, they could find one. Uh, yeah, you want to get one of these. Thank you, Daisy, for that. Uh, thank you guys for being with us here on on Sunday morning. What a great week it's been. Last week last week we were smack dab in the middle of conference. What a great Great conference we had. It was so amazing. How many enjoyed that? How many enjoyed it? Wasn't it great? You know, on Wednesday night, we had a testimony service from the conference, and uh, we heard from several couples about what, what kind of transpired in their lives, and I walked away on Wednesday just overjoyed. I, I, I was overwhelmed with gratitude uh, of what God did at our conference, but on another level, I was so overwhelmed with the people that God's placed in this church. Like, I heard some people that got up and spoke on Wednesday. I could totally picture them standing up here on a Sunday. I, I honestly could. It was, it was so special and so wonderful what God's doing in people's lives. And so uh, we're, we're excited about all that happened last week. But here's the thing. We don't want just to have a good conference. We want there to be fruit that lasts from it. And so what God's begun in your life, as Bryn kind of shared a little bit earlier, he started something. We don't believe he's done. It's just kind of scratching the surface of what God wants to do in and through our lives and through our church. And so really, really, really excited about all that happened last week. This week, I want to run through a couple quick announcements. This week, I know that um, there's so many people that are involved in different e-groups that have been happening. Matter of fact, I came, I came through on Friday night, and this place was so active. It was, it was amazing. Across the street, uh, of course, Elevate Nights, all of our youth and young adults were just going for it, having a great time. I came over here, immediately was like shushed. Couldn't believe I got shushed in, in, in the church that I pastor, but I got shushed. Rachel came out, and she was like, shush, and I didn't, I didn't realize, but she had a whole group back there and I was like geez take it easy come on now chill out <laughs> gonna be okay anyways I love you Rachel uh, anyway so they were having a, a group back there obviously God was doing some special things back there because they shushed the pastor uh, but also in the back there was another group a large group that was that was meeting as well you probably saw some pictures online uh, Richard R Rich and Hilda's following Jesus group just was jam-packed back there so I mean it was just so awesome to see what's happening e-groups are where it's at I'm telling you, it's where it's at. There's one that's coming up this week. It's starting this week, actually. It's on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. in the vault. It's, it's, it's Marriage 100. It's taught by Dave and Melissa right over here to my right. And uh, go ahead and lift your hand up, Dave, so everybody know who you are. Um, right over there, he's got his hand up. Right there, you'll know exactly who it is. Marriage 100, it's a class that they do. I believe it's eight weeks long. And uh, this class is not for just people that are getting married, although it is for people that maybe are engaged or thinking about marriage. But it's also for people that have been married for a very long time. Because we can always work on our marriages. We can always continue to put the effort and, and invest into our spouse, invest into our marriages. This is a great class for you to be a part of. It happens on Tuesday nights across the street in the vault. Amen. Also, one wanted to let you know that today when you leave, um, they're going to be giving out some passion packs because this Sunday, it, it, it launches Passion Week here at Elevate Ministries. And Passion Week is actually a 13-day period between today and Easter Sunday. And what we're going to do is we're going to blitz our neighborhoods, our communities, our schools, our workplaces, our family members. We're going to blitz them with the good news. And we're going to invite them to come on Easter Sunday. And we're all praying that salvation is going to spring from the ground. We believe the ground that, that we're living in, our homes, our communities, our, our workplaces, we believe it's fertile soil, and God wants to bring some salvation. He wants to save your family members. Anybody excited about that? Your coworkers, your school, your classmates. God wants to reach them with the gospel. He's going to use you to do it. And so we're beginning Passion Week. You're going to get a passion pack on your way out today. And uh, we'll, it, uh, what I want you to do is to go ahead and make sure that you follow Elevate Ministries on Instagram. 
and also turn on the notifications to our app because over the next 13 days, we're gonna be giving you some hints on different ways that you can evangelize. We're actually gonna be giving tools and sending tools your way to do the same thing. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna have a great time and we're gonna give you some of those, some of those tools today on your way out. We want you to have that, it's gonna be fun, all right? So this morning, are you guys ready to get into the word today? Who's excited for Heart for the House, Big Give, Miracle Offering? Come on. I'm really excited. I just want to put, get this out of the way. There, there may be a few people. I met, I met a couple people today. You're here for the very first time. And if you're a guest, I want you to understand that what we're going to do this morning is something that we do once a year at Elevate Ministries. And I think everyone that comes to this church, attends this church, you know that this church is not about getting money. Like it's, it's extremely rare that we spend any time at all talking about money in our sanctuary. We do, we do preach on, on, on money as a, as, a, as, a, as a tool for the kingdom and we do talk about money, but it's very rare that we make an, a pull for money. You don't feel pressure for money. We don't pass buckets. We don't even ask for it. What's amazing is, is this community is made up of faithful givers. And they don't just give on Sunday. We have people give every single day of the week as they get paid. They give via the app or online. And, and, and our, our community is a faithful to give their first and their best to the Lord on a regular basis. And that happens when we get increase, when we, when we get, get paid. And so once a year, though, we come to the house of the Lord with an intentional purpose. And the reason we, co- we come to bring a heart of, 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 of finances, our heart to the house, an offering, a big gift offering, we come to bring it to the Lord. And so the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that we're not supposed to be compulsive givers. The Bible says that we should be cheerful givers. Somebody say cheerful. We've asked our congregation over the last six weeks, we've talked to you, and we've actually handed you some different materials and talked to you about how we're going to take care of this offering. We believe God is the one who meets our needs. Every need that the house has, God's going to meet the need. He's, he's going to take care of it. But what we've asked every person to do over the last six weeks is to ask the Lord, what is your part? What, what is your responsibility? What are you supposed to give? And, and our job is to hear from God and obey. So we haven't, we haven't tried to manipulate you. We haven't tried to give you figures and throw out dollar amounts or any of those types of things. You guys know our heart. We ask you to simply ask God what to do, what your part to play is, and then to obey it. And I want to let you know, this is not our tithe. This is, we're not bringing our tithe today. This is, not, this is not a tip to the church for how well your pastor preaches. That's not what this is, all right? That's not what we're doing today. This not has not, it will never be something that we do casually. This is a holy moment. We're giving it to God today. This is about one thing. This is about you hearing God and doing what he says. That's all it is. This is about, this is about us telling God, God, you'll always be first. In my life, it, you'll always be number one. And so we bring our first and we bring our best because we love God. Now, I know some of you, you've already, you've begun to, to, to give already. Some of you have been given to the heart, to the house, and, and, and this, is, this is great. I'm, I'm asking you today to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do today? I'm, I'm asking you. Your job is to hear from God and to obey. There's no one else that can tell you well done. The only one that's going to tell you well done is God. It isn't going to be your pastor. It's not going to be the person sitting next to you. It's going to to be God. And so when your only goal is to obey God, you've got nothing to lose. No matter what God asks of you. And and if you've noticed this, this morning, this is not any sort of manipulation. It's never come from this pulpit. It's just simply you hearing from God and doing what God tells you to do. Say amen to that this morning. It's your job to do what God tells you to do. It's our job as the church to do what he tells us to do. Now, God's given us a vision, and we've decided to run with it. Okay? That's what the entire conference was about. And this offering today is going to fund some of the vision that God's placed on our heart. This morning in Reno, Nevada, happens to be Danny and Zio and their children. They're in Reno, Nevada today, and they're, they're online with us watching this morning. But they're there today preparing to expand Elevate Ministries into Reno, Nevada. I don't know. It's pretty awesome. 
If you were here on Friday night, we brought them up on the stage and we commissioned them and we prayed over them as they believe and follow the will of God for their lives. And this morning, they're beginning to spy out the land. Uh, they're going to be moving there in the summer of this year to, be, to begin and elevate campus in Reno, Nevada. We also announced that we're releasing a couple by the name of Bernard and Apple uh, Garcia from Albuquerque, New Mexico. They've been a part of that church for five years and, and that congregation is releasing them to Tampa, Florida to start and elevate ministries there. How exciting is that? We also prayed and laid hands on Joshua and Francia Barajas, and uh, they've made the decision to move their family from Tijuana, where, they've, where they've, been, they've been their entire lives, and move to Culiacan, Sinaloa, all right? <laughs> Getting better. All right, he's moving there, and, and they're moving there to, to, to continue and to dedicate their entire focus to a church that they've started just over a year ago, already has well over 100 people. They're going, into they're going to be going into three services on a Sunday. God's really doing some amazing things. They, they said, no, we're going, to get, we're, going to, we're going to leave it all, and we're going to go there and, and give our lives to this. And at the conference, we handed them a check for $5,000 and have committed to, to sponsor them throughout the remainder of this year. We're on the line for $17,000 to help them get out what God's placed in their heart. And we're very, very excited about the campus expansion that we're experiencing. We also, last year, this Heart for the House offering helped us uh, fund what we felt God was telling us to do, which was to connect people to people and people to their purpose. And so last year, we, we took a bold step. We brought on uh, new staff. April Campos came on staff with us in July. Yeah, yeah. Some of you, you weren't even here when that happened. You, hadn't even, you didn't even know what Elevate Ministries was. And today you're in full-blown connection, got all kinds of relationships, serving in ministry. Why? Well, it's because we took that step. And, and April's just done a phenomenal job helping us get people connected to each other and to their purpose. Well, th that was a one-year commitment we made. And uh, we've rolled the dice and we're saying we're doing it again, all right? And so as, as, as you know, we, we took a huge step of faith to do that. And, and you, your offering helped us sponsor that for one year and today uh, we're, we're going to continue that we're not we're not we're not going to cut April yet we're not we're not we're not interested in that at all yet I'm, I, that, that was an accident <laughs> we're not interested in that actually we want to hire more staff that's what we want to do and uh, we believe that this, this whole focus of connecting people to people and purpose is going to open up the doors for us to be able to have a huge staff of people working here at some point in this ministry's uh, future. And we're excited about that. Uh, we've, we've also uh, made a decision. One of the things we want to do that I think is going to be kind of cool is we want to create something called Volunteer Central. Now, as you know, this building is like 99.9% .9 sanctuary. That's what happens when you have an industrial building. And so there's very little space to store stuff, to, 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 to have any sort of, yeah, you know, all of our volunteers, they meet in the foyer, you know, it's just, it's kind of, kind of, kind of limited here. But what we want to do is we want to take one of the spaces here, invest some resource into it and create a volunteer central location where we will, we, we're going to seek to foster unity and involvement amongst our people. We want you to feel good about serving and elevate ministries. And so we're going to seek to make that possible. Of course, we're going to continue on with our community evangelism. Some of that we're going to be talking about over the next 13 days gives you a little peek or a hint into what we see our future being as we reach into our community. Also, I don't know if you've noticed, we've had a lot of rain this year. Anybody notice that at all? Anyone? I don't know. Maybe you, I've, I've noticed it. And you'd really notice if you walk in this building because during the week, we've got about 15 buckets all over this building catching all of the, the, the roof leaks and different things we have. And so as a responsibility of being, of being building owners, we've got to handle that ourselves. And and uh, in the, it's not in the budget for us to replace roofs. That's not one of our budget items. And we don't like to, to bring this kind of stuff up to you because who likes talking about bricks and mortar when we're trying to build a kingdom and people? But we do have a responsibility to take care of our, our building that God's given us. And so we've got to repair some roofs. There's some leaky roofs that need repaired. There's an AC unit across the street. If you want to be cool on Wednesday nights, we've got to fix that air conditioning before it gets too hot in the building. And I just want to say this, and this is really... For me, I, I've really felt early on in this year as we began to pray about this day, one of the things that really God put on our hearts is, is, is as a pastoral staff, we really feel like God wants us to pay this building off. 
We're really close. We owe $400,000 on this building. And I know that sounds like a lot of money, especially when you're thinking about your own personal home or your own personal finances. But really, considering what this building is worth, we're at the very tail end of being able to take care of this once and for all and get ourselves in position to be able to, 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 to move forward if, if, if the opportunity arises. And so we, we, I really believe that God wants to help us do that. I, I really, how many would believe with me that supernaturally... God would help us do that. Amen. Amen. So, so we believe that all of these things that, that I just mentioned to you today and also the things that God's placed in your heart, our church has a responsibility to help you get those things out. And so you, if you're around here for any length of time, you know we look for, for, for what's on people's hearts and we find ways to help that come to pass. That's what we do around here. And so some of the things I, I, I can't even mention to you because they haven't been exposed yet. We're waiting for your heart to be, to be elevated to the point where we hear what's going on. And so uh, we're excited about being able to invest in you and some of the dreams and visions that you have. And that also, also falls in line with, with this, this offering. So here's the game plan for today, all right? I haven't even started preaching yet. I'm really sorry about that, but this is important. Here's the game plan. At the end of this message, what we're going to do is we're going to bring our offerings to this altar, okay? This altar here. We're gonna, you have an envelope already. Some of you came prepared. And some of you got an, offer, an envelope as you came. We're going to bring our offering to the altar, and we're going to place it here. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be nice. It's going to be messy, okay? We don't have buckets or collection devices. We're going to put our offering on, on the altar here this morning, and we want every person Regardless of how you've given, maybe you gave on the app, you have an envelope, what we want you to do is write on that envelope what your heart is for this house and bring it still, bring it to this altar and we're going to come as an act of worship and present our offerings to the Lord. Does that sound like a good idea? And then we're gonna pray over it as an act of worship. We're gonna believe that God's gonna multiply it to meet the need and we know that he will, amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're gonna get into this message this morning out of Genesis chapter 22. How many are ready to hear from God today? Come on, I need some people on the edge of their seat, leaning in, ready to rock. Genesis chapter 22, uh, beginning with verse 1. Now it came to pass that God tested, somebody say tested, tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and Abraham said, here am I. And then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham arose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, took two, of, two young men with him, and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place that God told him to go. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey, and my son and I will go yonder and we will worship, and then we'll come back to you. Verse six, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering placed it on his son Isaac. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Somebody say together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And Abraham said, here I am, my son. And he said, look at the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Somebody say together. And they came to the place that God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. That'd be nervous time if you're the boy, right? I mean, that's pretty crazy. Somebody say, that's crazy. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, here, here I am. And he said, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The title of this message is, You Will Always Be First. You Will Always Be First. Most of you are probably familiar with this story. If not this story, you're familiar with Abraham because Hebrews would tell us that Abraham was the father of our faith. And some of you don't know that Hebrews would tell you that Abraham is the father of our faith, but you remember from Sunday school singing about Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons. But God actually is described as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Abraham's relationship with God was pretty profound. Matter of fact, his, his relationship with God actually affects all humankind. And, and we know that God, 
comes to Abraham and speaks to him, and he begins to pour out a massive blessing on Abraham. Matter of fact, he tells Abraham that I'm gonna bless not only you, but I'm gonna bless everyone on the earth now and forever, they're gonna be blessed because of you. Abraham promises to bless people and nations. Everything on the earth is affected by the faith of Abraham. Now here's the crazy part, and this is what you gotta grab a hold of, is Abraham never asked God to bless him. How many of you have asked God to bless you? Oh, none of you, only, only me, only, I'm the only one, right? No, no, this is crazy. Abraham has never approached God with a list on all these different ways of the different things that God, if God would do this, then, then he'd be really happy and really satisfied and really would, be, would, would, be, would feel blessed. Abraham simply had a relationship with God and allowed his relationship with God to determine his blessing. So God is the one who determines blessing. Are you hearing me today? We don't, we don't get to choose how, we, how blessed we are. God's the one who does that. We can't control the spouse we've been dealt. Are you with me today? All right? We can't control the kids we've been given. We can't control the increase of finances as it comes into our life. We can't control the opportunities that come our way. We can't control our personality. We can't control our talent or our giftings. We can't control the people that God so wonderfully allows for us to cross paths with. We don't get to choose any of that. God chooses that. God's the one that aligns all of that together. So here we are in Genesis chapter 22, and now Abraham is walking in the blessing of God. I mean, he's enjoying his, his life. He's enjoying the blessing, and it's at that point, at the height of his blessing, God comes to him and says, all right, I've done the blessing, and now I'm going to choose how you are going to respond to my blessing. Now, this is crazy because we feel like we're the ones that should be in charge of our response. We, we feel like we're the ones that should determine our response to God. But here, here in this story, God was the one who determined how blessed Abraham would be. And then God came to Abraham and decided what his response to that blessing would be. Are you with me today? So I want to give you a little snapshot into Abraham's journey because a lot of times we, we get to stories like this and we don't recognize all of, the, all of the things that came first and what came first is really, really important. The first time we hear about Abraham, he's, men he's mentioned in Genesis chapter 11. I just preached out of this text just a few weeks back. It's the story of Abraham's dad who arrived in Terah. Uh, he had lost a family member that had died and it paralyzed Terah. God had actually told Terah to go to the promised land. He was the one that was chosen to go and, 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 and populate Canaan. The, the original blessing would have been on Terah, but he stopped in his pain. He, 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 he quit on his faith. He partnered with a lie, and, and he settled outside of the promise. And so Abraham is now taking over. He's the one that takes over at the same location where his dad gave up. And so when you're reading about it, Genesis 11 is that story, but then in Genesis 12, God begins to pour out a, a prophetic blessing onto Abraham. And he says, he says, beyond your wildest dreams, more than the stars in the sky, sand in the seashore, that's how much your descendants are going to be, Abraham. I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. In Genesis 13, we know that Abraham separates from his nephew Lot. They had, they had grown to the point that there was too many in that one particular area. So he tells his nephew, you could choose whichever way you want to go. Of course, Lot chooses the more comforting looking place. But Abraham wasn't concerned because he knew God was with him. He, would he said, I'll go, you go right, I'll go left. You go right, you go left, I'll go right. No problem. I'll, I'll do whatever you say. Because he knew that the hand of the Lord was upon his life. In one chapter later, Genesis 14, we know that Abraham is, is blessed by the priest Melchizedek. And at that moment, Abraham, for the very first time we'll ever see in Scripture, he presents a tithe. It's the first picture of a tithe, the first mention of a tithe in all of God's Word. In Genesis 16, his life takes a kind of a downward turn as he, 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 he has a son in the flesh. He disobeys God, tries to do it on his own, and, and we know that, that he bears a son by the name of Ishmael. In Genesis 17, God comes to him and says, listen, I still got that promise. It's not, it's not gone. I still want to give you that, that promise, and you're going to have a son through your wife, Sarah. 
In Genesis 21, that son is born and brought into, into, into this world. Isaac is born, his firstborn son of the promise. And in Genesis 22 is where we read today where God speaks to Abraham and says, now I want you to take your son, your one, your only, and I want you to present it as a sacrifice to me. What was God saying? God was saying, I want your one, I want your only, I, I want your love, I want your favorite, I want your first. I want you, Abraham, to give to me your favorite one. The one you love the most. Now here's where I want you to grab a hold of this. This is important. Abraham did something that is so radical because he looked at God and he said, okay. I don't think you, you understand what, what just happened. It's just, it's just beyond you. You're not seeing it. God says, I want you to sacrifice the promise. Everything you've been waiting your whole life for, your favorite, your love, your one, your only. And Abraham said, okay. I'm not sure that'd be my initial response. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not sure that that would be what, what I would come up with. Maybe I would try in that moment to kind of barter with God and, and have a conversation like, God, I, I, you know, I ate pizza last night. I'm not sure this is really you. Like, like obviously you wouldn't ask for that. But, but sometimes I think when we're reading this story and we're reading about someone like Abraham and we look at people maybe, maybe in, in scripture or in our own lives uh, and we see people with great faith, sometimes for us, it can be a little intimidating. Are you with me today? We end up comparing our faith to, to their faith. And I think that's a wrong way to look at it. I think it's wrong to compare your faith to my faith or my faith to your faith. That would be the wrong way to look at it. Probably a better way to look at it is to compare your journey with my journey. Because we've all gone through different things. And so we look at Abraham's faith and we think, man, I could never have faith like that. Like, that's crazy. How in the world does he have that kind of faith? Or maybe you look at your pastor or your leaders or people that are around you and you think, man, I don't have faith like that. The, the problem is this, and the thing you need to understand is maybe you don't have faith like that because you haven't been through what they've been through. You haven't gone through those things. In order to acquire that level of faith, you have to go through some stuff first. And so, so here's God. God says to Abraham, I want your first. I want your best. I want your favorite. I want your son. And, and God, God tells Abraham, I want the thing that has your heart. And Abraham says, okay. And we're like, what? Abraham. Like, like. Like, how did you get that kind of faith? How did you get the faith that moves mountains? How did you get the faith that shakes hell? How do you get, the, how do you get that kind of amazing faith? I'll tell you how. Tess. And so here today in this room, some of you don't have great faith yet. You don't have that yet. The truth is, the reason is because you haven't been tested enough. You haven't been tested enough. The prerequisite to taking down lions and bears, to taking down giants, is what? Taking down lions and bears. The problem is, is, is the, here's the truth, we don't like tests. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, I don't like tests. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like tests. I don't like trials. I don't like, I don't like those types of circumstances. But here's the thing, those are the circumstances that God uses to build great faith. Are you with me today? Now, now here's the thing. I want to show you this morning is that in Abraham's journey, when you're looking at his journey, you, you realize very quickly that Abraham didn't always respond with great faith. What, what, how do you know? How do you know? Well, because great faith lets God choose. Did you hear that? Promise-producing promise faith allows God to choose. When you choose, it's typically flesh-driven. When God chooses, it's always faith-driven. And so in Genesis chapter 12, God's promising Abram that he's going to be blessed, that the world is going to be blessed because of him. He's got this supernatural word operating in his heart at that moment that he is going to live a blessed life, blessing far beyond his wildest dreams. But now he's moving towards that promise. 
He's following after, he's doing what God's telling him to do, and he's entering this land that God's called him to, and he's, he's, uh, he, all of a sudden he meets and comes up against an Egyptian king. Now, here's the problem. Even though Abraham's got this crazy, supernatural word from God, at that moment, as he's going toward the promise, all of a sudden fear comes to try to steal his faith. Let's look at it in Genesis 12. Verse 11, the Bible says that as it came to pass that when Abram was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarah, he said, indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. He's hitting on her. Verse 12, but when the Egyptians see you, they're gonna say, this is his wife, and they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. So please say to them that you're my sister, that it may go well with me. I want you to just think about this for a second. God's given Abram a word. He gives him a word saying, I'm gonna bless you. It's this crazy, wild, prophetic word. And then here he comes, the first place that he experienced any sort of resistance. He doesn't respond by faith. Instead, he responds in fear. You can, all of a sudden, you can just kind of see what he's doing. He's trying to manipulate the situation. He's trying to take control and interfere with the thing that God has already promised. Why is he doing that? Well, because he's afraid. He's, he's afraid he might be harmed. And so was he, he begins to lie about their relationship. And, and instead of them uh, living as husband and wife, they're going to live as brother and sister. And I remember hearing about this in Sunday school and, and thinking, man, that's just kind of, what's the big deal about this? Isn't that big of a deal? Well, theologians actually believe that Sarah's like 70 years old. Evidently, grandma is so good looking that Abraham's afraid for his life. I mean, come on, think about it for a second, all right? So instead of partnering with his wife by faith, moving towards the promise, instead of doing that, he lies. They partner together in the flesh. And they make a decision to lie. And he actually begins to sow seeds of doubt and seeds of insecurity into his marriage. Why is this a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because... All of a sudden, the nature of Abraham and Sarah's relationship has changed. Are you, are you following me? You're not intimate with your sister. At least you shouldn't be. It's not normal, all right? You're not intimate with your sister. You are intimate with your wife. And so what Abraham is doing, he's saying, he's saying this. I want to pretend in public that we're not intimate in relationship. Privately, we'll be intimate publicly we're not. Isn't that the trap that God's people fall into all the time? Come on, you're, you're here at church on Sunday. You're, you, you're intimate with God. You're lifting your hands. You're shouting down. You're, you're, you're saying amen, all of those things that we do. When Pastor Adam's preaching, we're just on the edge of our seat. We're, we're leaning in. We're so excited about God's word. But then all of a sudden, Monday shows up, and your posture's a little different. doesn't look in public the way it looks in private. And so Abraham's here, he's saying, I'm going to change my relationship because I don't want anybody to judge me. I, I don't want, I don't want, I'm not going to be as loud in public. I'm not going to be as open about my faith. I'm not going to lead. Instead, I'm going to cower back and allow fear to dictate my response. Abraham says, let me lie so it will go well with me. Listen, whenever you are driven by the flesh, it will never go well with you spiritually. You hear people say like this. Oh, well, we're married in God's eyes. No, you're not. You're fornicating in God's eyes. That's, that's what's happening right now. But here's Abraham. Let me lie. Let me, let me connive. Let me manipulate. Let me make this happen. I'm going to make God's will come to pass. Listen, you can't move towards the promise if you're living in the flesh. It's not possible. You can only move towards the promise when you're living by faith. Oh, man, I wanted everybody to say amen right there. So here's, here's this lie that, that Abram begins to have with his spouse, and that little lie became one of the greatest seeds of destruction in his life because you fast forward to Genesis chapter 16. Now in Genesis chapter 16, they've got this promise from God, they're walking with it, that they're going to be blessed, they're going to have lots of kids, that God's going to bless them in a tremendous way, but, but all of a sudden now Sarah can't see how that's going to be possible. 
She says, ah, there's no way that that's going to be possible. So she also tries to make things happen. Let me, let me ask you a question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Don't do anything. <laughs> Stop and ask God. So here's Abraham. In Genesis 12, he's lying about his relationship, telling everybody his wife is his sister. And then in Genesis 16, here's Sarah, and she's presented with this, 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 she's confronted with the same type of tormenting spirit that they won't be able to get the promise. And so, so she says, why don't, why don't I try and make this happen by myself? What do you do when what you see doesn't look like what God said? You go with what God said. You go with what God said. Instead, Sarah says, let me get involved. She says, let me take control. Let me try to help God. Can I just tell you, God is so grateful for all of your help in accomplishing his plans. He's so grateful for that. Genesis 16, the Bible says that Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said, somebody say Sarai said, not God said, not an angel said, Sarah said to Abram, the Lord's restrained me from bearing kids. So go into my maid, perhaps I will obtain children by her. In other words, I'll get the promise through my flesh. I'll, I'll get the promise through control. I'll get the promise through interfering. And the Bible says that Abram heeded, listened to, partnered with that lie, partnered with the voice of Sarai. It goes on to say that they, they conceive a child they have a son, his name is Ishmael, and now Sarai hates the maidservant Hagar, and here's Abram, now he's privately intimate, but publicly he's not with, with Hagar. The same thing is happening again. It's the fruit of what he had sown in Genesis chapter 12. He pretended what he was intimate with, he wasn't intimate with. Is anybody confused? Let me try and say it again. Watch this spirit of confusion. You end up becoming intimate with the things you're not supposed to be intimate with because you weren't intimate with the thing you were supposed to be intimate with. What happens is now Abram, now he's got a, he's got a son in the flesh. Every time you try to acquire the promise through the flesh or through some sort of compromise, you delay the faith you need to get the promise that God has for you. You can't get the promises through the flesh. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Bible says in Galatians that if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap the flesh. But if we sow to the spirit, we're going to reap the spirit. We have to be spirit-driven people, spirit-led people. Come on. What do you do? What do you do if you're struggling with your flesh? Because I know in a room like this, this morning, so many people are struggling with their flesh. What do you do when you're struggling with your flesh? I'll tell you what you do. You remove it. You remove it. And that's exactly what God requires of Abraham. Just one chapter later, in chapter 17, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, this is a covenant that you're gonna keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you will be circumcised. We talked a little bit about, about this at the conference. But essentially, God's telling Abram, Abram, you're struggling with faith because of your flesh. Anybody hear that today? You're struggling in your faith because of your flesh. So I'm going to help you overcome the flesh. Get a knife. Get a knife. And here's the thing. We, we look at it as a physical thing, and it was. But it wasn't just physical because Romans talks about the circumcision of our heart. And that you and I, we're driven oftentimes by our flesh. It's the things that have our, our heart, that have our attention. And God wants to help you with your faith. How does he help you with your faith? Get a knife. The same flesh that got in the way of Abraham's faith when he was on his journey is the same flesh that gets in the way of your faith on your journey. And just like Abraham had to learn how to remove the flesh to find the heart of God, you're going to have to learn to remove your flesh in order to find the heart of God. What's your flesh? Come on, do you know what it is? 
We always talk about the flesh. What is the flesh? Let me tell you what the flesh is. Real easy. You ready? It's what you want. It's everything you want. That, that's your flesh. And you are going to have to learn to remove what you want for you in order for you to acquire the faith to obtain what God wants for you. I think I should say that again. I, what do you think? You're going to have to learn how to remove what you want for you in order for you to obtain the faith to acquire what God wants for you. When you get the flesh out of the way, you're able to access the heart of God. Are you hearing me today? Jericho, Joshua, in order for them to march into Jericho, they first had to remove the flesh. They had to remove their own thoughts. They had to, they had to remove what they thought about themselves and what had been spoken over them. And once they had rolled away the reproach, now they could hear from God, they could see what God was seeing, and they could say what God says. When you remove your flesh from your heart, you can find the heart of God. Mm. That is good. So here's Abraham. He's struggling in his faith. He's trying to make things happen through control. He's interfering. He's trying to manipulate. But then in Genesis 16, he, he removes his flesh. 17, he removes his flesh. And then in 22, look what happens. God, now it came to pass that all after all of these things happened, that God tested Abraham. You see, everything that had happened up to this point was tests. I mean, the promise was there, but all he's been facing is all of these different tests. You know what the test that we face is? The test is this. Are you still in charge? Are, are you still in control? And here's the thing. I think in our lives, we've got to be tested over and over and over and over and over and over again until we give control up. Until we give control up, some of you have been tested before. You've gone through some of these tests. All of us have to pass the greed test. You don't hear me, though. <laughs> All of us have to pass the greed test. You know, a lot of us, when it comes to our money, we're like, no, it's mine. I earned it. It's mine. It's mine, mine for me, me, I, I. It's the greed. I'm going to hold on to everything I have. It's my money. I worked for it. I earned it. It's the greed test where you learn to unclench that hand. We all have to go through the mammon test. You have to get to the point where you're not afraid of money anymore. Some of us are afraid of money. We're afraid it's going to disappear, that it's going to run out, that we won't have enough. It's the mammon test. It's a spirit. It speaks to you. And God wants to get you past it. He wants to help you overcome that so you're not afraid of money anymore. When money's not talking to you, you're talking to it. Money makes a terrible master, makes an awesome servant. But we got to pass the mammon test. There's a stewardship test that we have to go through. A lot of times we think, well, I gave, God should bless. No, no, God's going to bless you if he can trust you. And so we all have to pass a stewardship uh, test. Can God trust you with his heart? Can God trust you with more? As a church, as pastors, we had to prove that we could steward God's heart for this church. We had to prove that we could steward this community well before he'll entrust us with more. We've got to do okay with what we've got. Are you hearing me today? Some of you look at what you're stewarding now. And you're disappointed and can't understand why. But you're going through tests. You have no idea what God's got prepared for you on the other side of passing the stewardship test. And so here's Abram. He's being tested by God. And now he's finally about to pass the test. And when you pass the test, that becomes the place where you receive faith for the promise. In verse 2 of Genesis 22, God says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And offer him there as a burnt offering. Take your best, take your first, take your love, take your only, take your miracle, take your heart. Take what you love the most and bring it to me. Abraham, I'm choosing your response to my blessing. This is what's happening here. I was the one that chose to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. And I will be the one to tell you what your response to that blessing needs to be. Your response needs to be to give me your one, give me your only, give me your Isaac, give me your heart. And Abraham said, okay. He said, okay. 
Jesus said it like this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you give God your heart, that becomes the key to unlocking your promise. When you give God your heart, it's the key that opens the door to the supernatural. And so in this moment, Abraham is by faith accessing the faith that his promise would require. Are you grabbing this? Abraham's yes allowed the promise to not only go to him, but now it's passed down to another generation. The promise actually goes beyond him. I want to show you this. When Abraham said, okay, God, I give up. I'm going to let you determine my response. That became the place that he obtained the faith that would unlock the promise in his life. The fact that the faith that Abraham needed to access the promise happened at the place of the greatest sacrifice. It's like when, it's like when Abraham gave up control. When he just kind of gave up control and said, God, okay. He said, God, okay. It was at that moment that he obtained the faith necessary to take the promise from God, shoot it into his future. Look at verse 7. Isaac spoke up. Got to see this, you guys. He said, my father, look at the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abram said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And so the two of them went together. I want you to see this. When you look and you try to discover Isaac's age, there's lots of different opinions on it. I tend to picture him as a little boy. I'm sure that's how you picture it. That's how it was, that's how it was in the coloring books in Sunday school, as a little boy. But a lot of times, uh, the theologians, they, they leave his age kind of as undetermined. Some people actually believe that Isaac was 30 years old. I mean, regardless of, of how you try to picture that in your mind, whether you view Isaac as a child or as an adult, what you notice is that he, he would not oppose the will of his father. And it's mind-blowing. He, he didn't allow himself to become a victim. I can't believe this is happening. He's walking with the wood that he's going to be sacrificed on. He's not saying, this isn't fair. Why would God allow this? What, what in the world is going on? This is, I'm a good boy. He, he's not saying any of those things. He wasn't a victim. He actually was a willing participant in the sacrifice. And I think a lot of times what can happen to us is we think we're victims on our journey of faith. We see all of the things that we've gone through, all of the battles we've had to face, and we start to feel like, like a victim rather than a participant because the things that God's taking you through is preparing you for what he has for you. And instead of complaining about it, why don't we become participants in the sacrifice? Isaac says, Dad, where's the offering? And Abraham looked at him and said, don't worry about it. God will provide. And Isaac said, okay. You got to see this. When Abraham partnered with God through his faith and removed flesh, when he found the heart of God to please God, when, when inside of him he said, you know what? I'm going to give you my only son. I'm going to give you my, my favorite. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my only. I'm going to give you my best. That promise went from Abraham and jumped into his future. It went from Abraham into Isaac and now his own son who's now a willing part of this sacrifice is saying the same thing as dad said earlier, okay. He's saying, okay, listen, when you have a heart for the father and your greatest desire is to please God, it, it unlocks the promise and propels it past you and into your future. I want you to notice something. All of a sudden, God became the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. When you trust God so much that you trust him 
with everything. When there's nothing that you'll withhold from your heart to Him, what happens in that moment is that there's nothing that God will withhold from His heart to you. God, you determine the blessing. Aren't you grateful for the blessing of God? Come on. Come on, look around this room today. Look at your wife and your children. Look at the friends you have. Look at the people that God's allowed you to cross paths with. Look at the fact that you're clean. You're clean today. You're not bound by drug addiction, alcohol abuse. You're not bound by that. Some of you were full of anxiety and depression, hurting, hated life. Today you're free. You're living life. Some of you today, you never, you couldn't rub two pennies together when you gave your life to God. God's given you a career where you enjoy working and producing. Think about the blessing of God. You had nothing to do with that. It's all God. He determined to bless you. You made a decision to live for him and you've experienced some of those things. Well now, guess what? God doesn't always only just bless, but he also requires from us a response. And it's usually in these moments where we get all weird. It's a test. I'm gonna control this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna determine what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna manipulate. I'm gonna present an offering but it's what I want. It's what I want to give. But that's not what we get to do. That's not, that's not the response God's looking for. He's not looking for what you want. He's looking for what He wants. And here's what God wants. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants to be first. Our response to God needs to be, God, you will always be first. You will always be first. Come on, right now in your seat, would you just say that? God, you will always be first. God, you will always be first. If you want my heart, you can have it. I won't allow anything in my heart in front of you. You will always be first. Right now, in your chair, ask the Lord, Lord, what's your heart for your house? Come on, close your eyes. Come on, bring those lights down. Lord, what's your heart for your house? Come on, would you pray that right now? Come on. You and God, right now, grab your spouse by the hand together. Come on, Lord, we're gonna partner in faith. Lord, what's your heart for your house? What's your heart for your house? Some of you have already prayed this. I'm asking you right now, pray again. Ask the Lord, what's, what's your heart for your house? Some of you are struggling with your flesh. You're, you're trying to control it. You're willing to give Ishmael. God doesn't want Ishmael. God wants Isaac. You're willing to give from your flesh. God doesn't want that. That's not, what the, that's not the offering he's looking for. He's looking for your heart. He wants Isaac. He wants your Isaac. What we're about to do in a few minutes is not an offering of finances. That's not what this is. That's not what this is about. This is an offering of our heart. That's what we're doing today. We're giving our first and our best to God. And this offering says to the Lord, you will always be first. You're, you're first. You're before anything else. Lord, what's your heart for your house? Come on, ask the Lord right now, come on. What's your heart for your house? Lord, is this offering what you want? Ask him, does this offering today, what I've prepared, does it please you? Lord, does it please you? Because that's what I want. All I want is to please my Father. All I want to do is please the Lord. Through this, through this offering, I believe some, some people are going to pass the mammon test. Mammon's going to be broken off your life. That spirit, fear of money is going to be broken over your life today. And the kingdom will be expanded at the same time. God wants to free you from that fear that you won't ever have enough, that there's never enough. Listen, God's got all you need. He's, he's faithful to, 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 to provide for you. He'll never let you go. He loves you that much. Mammon's going to be broken off your life today as you bring to God your heart. And I believe just like Abraham's sacrifice shot his promise into the future, I believe God's going to do the same thing with your sacrifice today. He's going to, he's going to shoot that promise, not just to you, but into your children and into your children's children. I'm living proof of the blessing of God that flows through generations. Because my dad said, okay, I say okay.
my kids say okay. The blessing of God's unmistakable. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, would you just stand to your feet all over this room? Would you do that just right now? We're gonna just give God a moment. I want you just to give God a moment to speak to you. Bryn's gonna sing a song. We're just gonna allow God to speak right now. Would you do that? Allow God to speak to you. Go ahead, Bryn. Lord, I long to bring an offering But I don't know where to start All I have is on the table I won't hold back a single part Sometimes I cannot find the language Sometimes I'm at a loss for words And I just want to give you something To let you know When you've heard from God, well, our children have joined us, they're ready to give. When you've heard from God and you're ready to obey, I want you to take that envelope, that heart for the house offering that you've prepared. And what I want you to do is lay it at this altar. But here's the thing, we're not leaving because what's on the altar isn't as important as what's at the altar. So we're gonna bring an offering to the Lord. We're gonna present it to God. It's our first, it's our best, it's our heart. But then we're gonna stay in an act of worship. Now here's the thing, it's gonna be a little messy, but we don't want anyone to stay back. We're gonna to worship together as a church. So I wanna encourage everyone to join us when you're ready to respond. We're gonna worship the Lord together. And so just as, as you drop, as you bring your offering, just kind of make room for those around you, but stay, stay here. Let's make this a holy moment. Can we do that? Does that sound like a plan? God, we present to you our first. Come on, lift up your offering today. God, we present our first. We present our best. This is our heart. It's our sacrifice. It's our love to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Life is full of many seasons. I felt the shadow and the sun. the feast and through the famine this is my song in everyone and I I worship you. 
put your hands and sing, God. If all you ever wanted was my heart, then here it is, here it is. I lay it all on the altar. I worship you and I. the Lord right now right now come on lift your voice lift your voice let's worship come on teach your children what worship looks like right now come on come on we're gonna worship the Lord Lord we worship you with our heart Lord you have our heart God you have our heart you have our first you have our favorite you have our best God we worship God we thank you for the blessings in our lives come on would you begin to thank the Lord I thank you God thank you Lord belongs to you come on sing it out to Lord God we worship you God it all belongs to you God Lord I give my heart God I give you my praise I give you my first I give you my only I give you my favorite it belongs to you God oh Jesus 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 Lord if all you ever wanted was my heart then here it is Lord here it is I lay it all on the Oh, come on, lift your voice. If all you ever wanted, if all you ever wanted was my heart, then here it is, here it is, lay it all on the altar. Come on, sing it again. Oh, come on. Jesus, if all you ever altar and uh, they're just gonna they're just gonna kind of move around here in the altar and just give you something and we just want to tell you how thankful we are thankful for this church these people thank you for the unity that we feel together there's something about there's something about when God's people come together they have passion and purpose and individual giftings and there's something about when God's people come together and sacrifice God does something very very special and I want to tell you something, this offering represents our heart to run with it. And I want to thank every one of you because this isn't a one-man race. This isn't just a, a small team. No, we're all, we're all running with it. We're, we're going to do what God's called us to do. We're going to get every ounce of what he has for our lives. How many, how many would say amen to that? We're going to get every ounce. And I want to do something real quick, real quick. They're going to be handing those out. I, my buddy Matt was right over here. He's going in. He has surgery this week. He's having a major surgery, open heart surgery on, on Friday. And uh, we're, we've got a group of people already praying. But how many of you would, would right now, could we, just, could we just agree in faith right now? Can we just agree in faith 
that God would just do a miracle. God, bring healing, that, that, that restoration, complete, complete strength. God, right now, come on, lift your hands toward my brother Matt. Will you do that? Come on, begin to pray. God, we thank you today. We thank you for a healing right now. Come on, would you begin to pray, everyone? Come on. Right now, right now, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the stripes that, he's, that he bore for our diseases, for our sicknesses. God, we stand upon your word. God, we thank you right now. God, you created this body. Lord, you created it to function. And so we know, Lord God, you know how it works. Lord, anything that's standing in opposition to your creation, we come against in the name of Jesus. We command every, every artery, Lord, blood to flow. God, we pray over this heart. God, I pray that his physical heart would match his spiritual heart. God, I pray right now that the physical body would match the spiritual body right now. Pray for healing, a touch from heaven. God, we thank you today for healing. We thank you for complete healing, God, in Jesus' name. We come against the lie of the enemy. We come against fear. We know it's just a test. We're going to pass the test. Lord, you have our heart, including the one in Matt's body right now. Bring healing, bring restoration in Jesus' name. Come on, come on, call it out. We want to see a healing restoration in Jesus' name. We thank you for it today. And everybody said amen. Come on, come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. I worship you. Come on, let's begin to worship the Lord one last time. I worship you. every decorated bag lord every every this this moment isn't for adults this moment is for every every individual in this room that's brought their heart to god i pray right now touch them we know you want what you want is not what's on the altar you want what's at the altar and what's at what's on the table today is our heart we give it to you we offer it to you we choose to live for you from our heart. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on, let's give the Lord one last clap. Hey, why don't you turn around? Why don't you love on your neighbors? Why don't you love on the people at this altar? Let them know how much you love them and appreciate them. Don't forget to get your passion packs on the way out. Thanks for being a part of this wonderful service. We love you guys. God bless you.